The lesson this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 marks the beginning of the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb. And I've heard and read many names for this gathering of his disciples in the upper room. But it's clear to me that it was to be the last Passover and the first of the Lord's Supper. And what he's celebrating in this supper, having eaten the lamb, what he celebrates here is the fulfillment of the Passover forever. Our Lord is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. Everything God promised to chosen sinners, he promised through his son. And his son is the surety of those promises. Let's read the account given us by God, the Holy Ghost, and pray that he'll reveal its hidden mysteries to us. Luke 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. Now, this is interesting to me that this is, we're talking about the Passover. The Passover is drawing nigh and the lamb had to be killed. Who's going to kill him? Here they are. They're talking about it right here. The chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. For they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted. They come to an agreement uh, to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. He wasn't to to come out in front of everybody and, and, and do this, but to do it so nobody saw it, because they feared the people. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed, and he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you're entered into the city, there shall be a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in, and you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There, make ready. That is, make ready for this Passover. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. When the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire 
I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Now, in order to understand the language and import of these verses, we must first know something about the ceremony to which our Lord is referring. The Passover. Passover. So if you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. This is where the Passover was instituted. I I want to spend the entire study this morning talking about the Passover. He said the Passover is nigh. The the first Passover is thousands of years gone by. And then many thousands of times they ate that Passover between then and this day where he's talking about. But it was first instituted over here and recorded in Exodus chapter 12. And the Passover was an act of God to save his people from the destroyer which he commanded to go through Egypt and slay the firstborn throughout the land. Now, a lot of people say it was the Lord himself who went through there, and you can read the scriptures, and and the Lord indeed passed through that land and took the firstborn. But whether he did it personally or through someone is a little consequence. You were dead. You were dead. And whether he be the destroyer or someone he sent, It's the same outcome. And it's set forth here in Exodus 12 in detail exactly as it was given to Israel. And there's seven things that I want you to see here in Exodus chapter 12. First of all, to participate in the Passover required a lamb. You hear me? There is no Passover apart from the lamb. God ain't going to pass over. He's not going to pass over. He didn't pass over Egypt because there was no blood on the doorpost and no lamb slain. He said in verse 3, Exodus 12 verse 3, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, A lamb for a house. There'll be no safe passage, no mercy, no escape apart from this lamb. The lamb will be prominent from this day forward. In all their sacrifices, the lamb is going to be prominent. So much so that when the forerunner of Christ saw Jesus coming down the way, what did he say? Behold the lamb. That was significant. The lamb was the sacrifice of the Passover. The lamb was the sin offering. And on and on you go. The lamb was significant in the worship of God. You couldn't worship God without a lamb. I'll never forget this woman arguing with Brother Mahan. She was a Jew. and She didn't like He said something about, he had brought a message titled, The True Jew. 
And, and I don't remember the whole discussion, but they went back and forth and back and forth. And we did this and we did that. And, and you know, we're, I'm, a, I'm a true Jew. Don't tell me I'm not a true Jew. I'm a true Jew. And he said, well, let's just cut through the chain. He said, you say that you worship God. She said, I do. And he said, where's the lamb? Where's your lamb? You can't worship God without a lamb. You can't do it. Where's the lamb? And she had no answer. There can be no Passover where there is no lamb. The Passover demands a lamb. It requires a lamb. And then the second thing he tells us about the Passover is that the lamb must be examined. Exodus 12 verse 5. He said, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from among the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. Four days. You'll pin up this lamb, and you're going to watch it carefully. Examine it. Look it over good for four days. What were they looking for? They wanted to be sure it was sound. Had to be sound. Had to be without blemish. And we know that these things are symbolic. They're patterns of things in the heavens, shadows of good things to come. So how does this examination apply to us? You have to examine the lamb. So how does this examination apply to the believer? Well, same as it did to them. You examine the lamb. Huh? We examine the lamb. Religion's big on examination of the preacher. If you're going to be a pastor or a preacher in most modern day religious circles, they're going to bring you in before a committee of elders and they're going to question you Inside out. They're going to examine the preacher. Now, let me tell you something. It has its place. It has its place. There are requirements. There's requirements of attitude and conduct. Uh, that, and, and it has its place. But to examine a preacher, we're told to examine the lamb. I would not. It is the preacher's calling to set forth the lamb. That's his message, isn't it? Try the spirits, John said, whether they be of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is of God. That's the lamb. Examine the lamb, he preaches. It's not those bringing the lamb who were pinned up. It was the lamb. It wasn't the man bringing the lamb that was set up here and examined. It was the lamb. And if you're looking for a flaw in me, it won't take you four days. It'll just take you a matter of minutes. You can find all kinds of flaw in me. But you won't find any flaws in the lamb I set before you. He's perfect. He's without blemish. 
He's God come into the flesh. And He's perfect in every sense of the word. And I think I can almost hear Israel the next day after that awful night singing, Worthy is the Lamb. And I know that's what they're going to sing in glory. Worthy is the Lamb. So the Passover requires the Lamb to be examined. Now, let me ask you something else. Who's doing the offering for your sins? Who's providing the Lamb for your deliverance? Then know this. He will Himself examine your examination. Huh? God said bring the Lamb. God said examine the Lamb. How are they going to examine Him? To His qualifications, not yours. It's God who tells us who the Christ is. We examine Him by His qualifications. Isn't that right? I, I, we're not told to just examine Christ in, in our natural thinking, but He tells us how. It's not my examination of the Lamb that makes it acceptable, but His. I, I must examine this Lamb to His qualifications, and if the Lamb don't meet His approval, it won't keep death away. Well, what exactly are you looking for? To see if there's a blemish. Peter said, we're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, what was manifest, set before you, manifest in these last times for you. And then Paul said this, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ, now listen to this, hath been evidently set before you, crucified among you. Christ has been set forth by all the evidences provided by God. That's how we set him forth. Everything required of God is in the Lamb. And it's all set before men through the preaching of Christ crucified. And Jesus Christ is the sum and substance of all of our preaching. And preachers, in their preaching, they paint a picture with words as clear as possible before the people. All the glory and excellencies of His person his incarnate birth, his sinless life, his offices as mediator, savior, and so on. His perfections as the God-man. His office as the substitute, the fullness of his grace, the efficacy of his blood, through faith in his blood, Paul said. So the Passover was a lamb examined and found faultless. Here he is. He sits before the highest officer in the land, Pilate. Now listen to what he said. He turns to the Jews. He examines him, doesn't he? He questions him. He looks him over. And he turns to the Jews and he said, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have examined him 
before you and have found no fault in this man touching these things. That lamb's been examined. And Herod did the same thing and said the same thing. Find no fault in him. Alright, here's the third thing. The lamb must die. Everything concerning the future of Israel and the blessed promises of God are hanging on the death of the lamb. The lamb slain sets before us how God saves sinners. How is he going to deliver his people out of Egypt. Egypt was cursed of God. Death was pronounced. The day of, the, uh, of their death was, it was on. It was imminent. And there was but one hope, and that hope was in the blood of the Lamb. Nothing but the blood. That's what we sing, isn't it? Nothing but the blood. The life of the flesh, he said, is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar. And Paul talks about the free justification of Christ over in Romans 3 and tells us it's through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. The Passover requires the death of the Lamb. And then fourthly, concerning this Passover lamb, he must be roasted. He has to be roasted. Exodus 12, 8, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. God's lamb was not burnt to pieces. He was roasted. He was roasted. He was not sodden with water. That is, why do you boil something? Huh? To make it edible. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever eaten squirrel, if you just throw it in a skillet and fry it, but it's tough as shoe leather. But you boil it, and it tenderizes it, don't it? Makes it easier to chew well, he's not going to make his Savior easy for you to chew. He's going to roast him. He's going to roast him in the fire. And he's not going to water him down. And that's what it means to be sodden with water. He's not going to have us eat his lamb watered down. He must be roasted in the fire. And nothing else so suits the appetite of believing sinners than Christ crucified. The suffering Savior. But when, whether men love it or not, it's a sweet savor to God. Huh? And that's what he told them. He said, you put it, you put it on the altar. You, you roast it on that altar. And it'll be a sweet savor to me. And then there's something else that occurred to me as I thought about these things. Jesus of Nazareth suffered no longer than was absolutely necessary to satisfy God. I watch Yvonne sometimes when she's cooking something and she'll go there and open that door and she'll look in there and she'll poke it or whatever she's doing. 
And she'll say, it ain't done yet. When our Lord cried, it is finished, the roast was done. Huh? It was done. Perfectly. Perfectly. I don't mean by that that God did not pour out the full fury of His wrath or that He let Him off easy because He was a son and and because he was dying as a substitute. What I mean is that he was subject to the fire until God's justice and wrath and vengeance were satisfied. That's what makes the savor. And it was to be roasted and eaten with bitter herbs. And these bitter herbs were symbolic of the bitter afflictions of their bondage down in Egypt. That's one of the things these bitter herbs uh, symbolize. But it also, it is to us as well as to them in our repentance over our sins, which is the cause of his death. In Zechariah 12.10, it says, And they shall look on him whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. That is, for his death and for his suffering and for their part in it. It's a bitter thing to know that your sins put him on the cross. They'll mourn for their rejection of him, for their hardness of heart and unbelief, and they shall be in bitterness for him as in bitterness for his, for the firstborn. He's the firstborn among many brethren, isn't he? He sure is. And those who eat the roasted lamb, they eat him with bitter herbs, and they eat the lamb with unleavened bread. What's this all about? He talks about the feast of unleavened bread, which is, or which is called, the Passover. They eat the lamb with unleavened bread. It was symbolic of the sincerity and truth in those who ate it. There was among the Corinthians a man living in adultery with his stepmother. You remember our study in, in the Corinthians. And the people as a body just ignored it altogether. They just pretended like it wasn't going on. They just ignored it. And they went right on with their worship and, and let these things go. And Paul forced them to deal with it. But here's what he said. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you're unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Those who eat the lamb eat it sincerely, and they eat it in truth. They eat it in truth. And then fifthly, and I'll be brief on these last things. The Passover lamb was to be eaten all of it. Read it with the pertinence thereof. That, 
with its insides, everything. You're going to eat the whole lamb. I remember Thanksgiving when I was a child, I was thinking about this passage, and I'd pick what I wanted to eat on Thanksgiving. I wanted the dark meat. I didn't want just a piece of turkey. I wanted dark meat. I wanted a leg or a wing. Or, I wanted that dark meat. Boy, it tastes so much better than that white. And I, that's what I wanted. And I wanted the stuffing that was in the bird. I wanted that because it's so much better than that other that just went in the oven. And then I wanted, you know, different things. And I'd pick and choose. You don't pick and choose in the Passover. You eat the lamb. All of it. All of it. The whole lamb must be eaten. And God's lamb, he said, will be for a house. How do I know where God's house is? That's where the lamb is. Is that right? Where the lamb is, you don't you don't just go drive down the road. Oh man, now look at that! They got a big congregation. The Lord's there, is he? I tell you where his house is is where the lamb is. That's where his house is. A lamb for a house. Everyone in it, all whose hope was tied to it, all who were associated with it. The gospel lamb is set forth not to one at a time, but before the whole house assembled. Exodus 12, 4, If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating. Too little for what? Huh? You like I am, you read that passage and it don't say nothing to you. And boy, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? How is a house too little for the lamb? Too little for what? Well, it says too little for the lamb. How so? Too small for his purpose. God has a purpose. He's going to carry it out. He has the means. He's ordained all the means. And that's what he's picturing here. It's too small to fulfill the type. It's too small to set forth the lamb as he would have it set forth, eaten. That'd eat all the lamb. Couldn't have any leftovers at the end of the day. Well, three people ain't going to eat a whole lamb, are they? And there's something about this verse as it concerns the unity of the body of Christ as they assemble together to eat the roasted lamb set before them. The lamb eaten is symbolic of the lamb preached, received, and eaten by faith in God's house. Wherever he's pleased to qualify the house. Is that right? He has his house. He has his churches. Read Revelation. He's, he's talking to the seven churches in Asia. Not talking to the world. Talking to his churches. Let them hear what the Spirit saith to who? To the churches. So the Passover lamb was to be eaten. And it's to be eaten by those ready to go.
<laughs> Listen to this. They'll eat it. Here's what he says. Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You know, I just ain't hungry for lamb today. I think I'll have pork chop. You better, you better eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And then lastly, the lamb was to be set forth not only in that first Passover, but as an ordinance forever. That's what it says. Forever. Exodus twelve twenty five, And it shall come to pass when you shall come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he had promised. You shall keep this service. And when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by this? Then you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And so it is this morning that I'm telling the children of God what the Passover is and what the Passover means. When they shall ask you, here's what you're going to say. What's this lamb all about? It's the Lord's Passover. When I see the blood, he said, I pass over you. And Christ fulfilled that. He is the lamb, isn't he? He's the unleavened bread. He's the wine. He's the whole ball of wax, isn't he? This whole Passover was fulfilled by him. And here's what he tells them at the beginning of this passage back in Luke. And the Passover drew nigh. The real Passover drew nigh. It was about to be fulfilled. Oh, may the Lord give us some understanding of these old ceremonies and what they mean. Thank you.